What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition, a extra special Monday edition of the show, and you'll find out why in just a second. Of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio right here at NRG Stadium, and it's a renovated NRG Stadium. The entire service level, locker rooms, training room. We already know about the weight room, a.k.a. Sports Performance Center. That's all being changed. That's all been changed. But everything going on, the cafeteria, everything, man, it's crazy. There are concrete blocks of trash all over the place. But it's going to be great. It's going to hopefully result in maybe changes you won't see, but hopefully that will be changes that you will see on the field. You just won't see the, the changes behind the scenes, if you will. But it's been a really fun time to see everything going on. It's disruptive, but we know the end result is going to be pretty cool. So if you hear jackhammer noise, it's going on 24-7, it seems, in this building. So that's exactly what it is. Glad to be with you on this Monday show. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, and an extra special show. Why? The head coach of the Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien, joined us for the annual, his annual, Everything But the Texans show. Now, it doesn't mean we didn't talk sports and a lot of things that come up in football, kind of bleed over in different sports and things, but we just like talking sports with Coach. We've talked with him. Now, obviously, I've talked with him many, many times on many different subjects for about a quarter century, for about 25 years. Man, yeah, a little over 25 years. But we'd love getting him in to talk about current things going on, talk to him about the NBA, talk to him about social media and sports, all different kinds of things. We wanted to get some stories from him. We got some great, great stuff from him uh, in this segment and throughout the show. Recruiting stories, some of the things he told us. He tells us a great story about Pac-Man Jones, Adam Jones with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, that you'll definitely love. So we got a lot for you. So let's kick it off. Everything but the Texans, our show, our Monday show, all all day, will be with head coach Bill O'Brien. Okay, here we go with Bill O'Brien here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Coach, how's your summer going so far? Good. You know, it's uh, – you know what it is. Little League <laughs> Baseball. I mean, th- I was just telling Johnny, I mean, it, it lasts forever. Right. But it's great. It's fun. Right. You know, they practice for two weeks before they start playing games. So, uh, they play this weekend, and uh, we're looking forward to it. But uh, – it's it's uh, it's interesting. It's a lot of fun, though. When you were in high school, did you play did you play baseball? Yes. When did you guys eventually get outside to be? Able oh to yeah, play? no question. We talk about this all the time because there's a couple parents on the team from the Northeast, mm-hmm. you know, that have transplanted down here to Houston. I mean, you you didn't get out sometimes till May, Johnny. <laughs> I mean, there were some years it was snowing in April. Yeah. So these these kids, that's and and you know it's funny you say that because these these kids. You see the improvement in them, you know, almost weekly, monthly, yeah. you know, because they're outside all the time. Yeah. They, can, they play year-round. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, in the north, I mean, that's the one thing I realized when I moved to Miami. You see kids in January playing baseball. You think this cannot happen in the north. Nope. No, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, their, their Little League season starts here in February. Right. I mean, you would, I mean you'd have to play in a gym somewhere yeah. in, in Boston. Yeah, often you do. Well, that was <laughs> when, when, I was, when I was at Brown – I remember the baseball team practicing yeah. in our you know, OMAC. OMAC. <laughs> the first time that they got outside to play was on a spring break trip. And our yeah. spring break was late. It was last week in March. They would go down to South Carolina play South Carolina, Wofford, Clemson. Get that was hammered. the first get time crushed. they were outside all year. Yeah. They just get crushed yeah. by all those schools because they're like, we're outside yeah. for, the, for the first time in late March. And even when they came back, it was still mm-hmm. cold. Yeah. 
Ooh. All right, so uh, if you were commissioner of Little League Baseball or Youth League Baseball, what are some of the things that you might want to improve on? You, I know you're an observer got, and an evaluator, yeah, and you yeah. can't help but evaluate some of this stuff anyway. This is a hard question. I, yeah. I, I know how I'd answer this. I want to be careful. I have to be politically correct because mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends over there that – I will say this. The, the dads uh, coach all the way through until the kids are 13. Okay. And so it's a it's a dad coach deal, and the dads obviously volunteer, and the commitment, the level of commitment that they make to coaching their little league team is unbelievable. I mean, right. it's it's seven days a week for several months, mm-hmm. and so I, I give the the dads a lot of credit. Uh, once they get to be thirteen, then then in, you know whatever you'd want to call it, an independent coach, not a dad, begins to coach them, and I think that's that's good. You know, I think that when you get uh, somebody who who you know. Uh, can go in there with fresh thoughts and, and evaluate the kids, and, and, and it's more of a meritocracy, you know, where, where a guy's going to, you know, play or not play based on how he's playing. You know, I think that's what happens. But I think, you know, commissioner or not commissioner, I think the big thing about Little League Baseball is if you can teach them the fundamentals, you know, how to how to catch a pop fly, how to field a grounder, how to throw, you know, the fundamentals of – you know, first and second, no outs, where, where, where are you going with the, right. you know, just like the, the fundamentals, obviously, of hitting, you know, and I think that's the key. And then teach them about uh, uh, sportsmanship and being part of a team. And I think that's the big thing. I really don't think it's all about winning and losing in Little League. I really don't. I think it's all about that when you get to where we're sitting. Right. But I think at that stage, I think it's important that they learn uh, the other things before it's like, we have to win this game. If we don't win this game, we're not getting dinner tonight. You know, I don't think that's the way to go about it. You're a big proponent of kids playing multiple sports. Yes. Yes. I, I, I think Johnny and I have talked about this before. I think you, I think that, um, you know, each sport requires a different level of conditioning, movement skills, hand-eye coordination, uh, all the, all the different things, you know, football, you, you know, it's 11 guys, 22 on the field at one time, basketball, 10, baseball 18 you know there's different rules of the games and and different skill sets that each game requires so I I really I always encourage that Obi one of the things that we saw come up in the NBA finals this year at the very end of game one J.R. Smith forgets I don't know doesn't know the score he doesn't you know he gets that rebound he runs it out LeBron's mad at him and it got me thinking about game theory game management how valuable is that for young kids to learn, whether they're playing baseball, football, basketball, whatever, to go with the fundamentals of here's how you field a grounder, but, hey, you're down by one run. you got guys at second and third. Here's the, kind of, here's the kind of ball you want to try and hit. How valuable is it to learn kind of game theory or game management and those kind of things at that young an age? I mean, I think that's huge. I think that's, that's part of what I was saying. You, you articulated it very well. I think, I think that that's – uh, you know, after learning how to field a ground ball, field yep. a pop fly, you know, how to hit and all those things, I think then it comes down to, hey, we need you to sacrifice bun here because here's the situation of the game. I think that really teaches kids about being on a team. You know, it's a it's a team sport, and I think that's, uh, you know, the next stage of what they should be learning in Little League. I, I, I love Little League. I love watching it, and I'm always thinking about how they could improve uh, to help these kids get better. In Houston, like we said earlier, these kids, I just, I'm always impressed at the improvement from the time, you know, Michael's been playing here since he was nine to the time he's now 12. He's just gotten better and better because they can play all the time. They're always outside playing baseball. 
So I think that you see that improvement, but I think that's part of it, trying to teach them those things. You probably haven't had too much time to watch high school football in Texas, but you've watched some, and I know you barely get out here to the field when they have these playoff games and and, uh, that kind of thing. But when you look at the evolution of high school football, what do you think? The the level of play now? Because I see some games on TV, and I'm thinking, this is high school, especially in Texas. I mean, especially in Texas, and we're probably – you know, obviously we're spoiled in Texas because right. high school football in Texas is king. I mean, it is king. I, I've, even from when I was in college and recruiting, there's no better state of, of high school football than Texas. I mean, b- because of the coaching and the, the amount of kids that play football. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that one of the things that you see in, in high school football now is, um, you know, it's it's a game where the quarterback position is becoming more and more uh, diverse, if that makes sense. You know, they, they, they can't just be – the days of just a drop-back quarterback are really over, you mm-hmm. know, when it comes to, to most high schools that I watch play, you know, especially when I watch them out here. It's guys that can throw, obviously, but they can run. They can do uh, – some of them play defense, play safety on defense. I mean, they're multiple – uh, type athletes to play quarterback, and I think that's because of the evolution of the spread, the spread part of the game. And spread is an interesting word, but it just means that the formations are, you know, more spread out. You know, less use of a true tight end, more of four or five wide receivers in a game at one time, mm-hmm. and the ball's being thrown. So I think you'll you, you see that a lot, and that's what we're seeing now. They go to college, and then when they get to our level, you know, you're seeing more and more of that. When you were in college, I'm, I'm sure you had to do a ton, of, a ton of recruiting. It's changed, obviously, with social media and all that coming in play. But do you have a story that you remember most from your <laughs> days as a recruiter? Like, one guy you got or one that got away, is there any story that stands out like, oh, man, that was crazy? <laughs> that you could share on the radio, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember this is from earlier in my career. I was at Georgia Tech, and uh, we had a coaching change. And I was, uh, uh, you know, kept over on the new staff. So we, we had a – George O'Leary was our coach. Everybody knows what kind of happened there. Yeah. And then uh, when he left, uh, Chan Gailey became head coach, and I was retained. And, and so I took over. I think me and two other guys were retained. So I had to take over some of the recruiting that had been going on, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. I took over Pac-Man. And so Pac-Man was from uh, Atlanta. Uh, City School in Atlanta was obviously a great player. Uh, you know, DB, obviously, receiver, running back, punt re- I mean, he did it all. He was unbelievable. Right. And he was coming to Georgia Tech. Adam Jones, Pac-Man. He, he Jones. was coming to Georgia Tech. And I remember, hey, Chan, this guy's coming. And this is like the first, you know, I, I was the offensive coordinator there. But, you know, I had never worked for Chan Gailey before. So, you know, you're trying to impress <laughs> your boss, you know. So, so we all gathered. That was when they really had started, as you remember, you know, putting the signing day stuff on TV. <laughs> yeah. So here he comes out on TV in his high school gym, mm-hmm. and he's decked out basically in Georgia Tech gear. Yep. So here we go, Chan. We're getting we're getting uh, Pac-Man Jones. And all of a sudden he says, I'm going to shock the world, and he takes it all off, and underneath <laughs> it he has West Virginia. <laughs> Chan Gailey's looking at me like, nice job. I, I called Colleen right after that. I said, I need to start looking for a job. I don't think I'm going to be kept here much longer. Have you? <laughs> Now, I have about 5,000 other stories, but that's one from early in my career that stands out. Now, you've coached against him in the NFL. Have you guys ever talked about that? I've seen him. I never – yeah, I I have. Like after a game or something? Yeah, no, I've seen him. I've coached against him 
a lot. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, whether it was New England or here in Houston, and uh, I, I never bring it up. You know how it is. <laughs> but it's just, uh, it was pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. All the gear comes off. We had another great. guy. We had a, one more story on yeah, that. Yeah. This is pretty funny. We had another guy. I'm not going to mention his name because, you know, he's he was a great player and he played in the NFL. Yeah. And he was a receiver who was from uh, Mays High School in Atlanta. He was awesome. I mean, fast. And he, I think at one point before Calvin Johnson, you know, all that, he was probably the leading receiver in the history of Georgia Tech or up there in the top five, which yep. is pretty good because there's been some good receivers there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, so we're, we're recruiting him. And so, you know, he, he was a kid that played like in a wing T offense and everything was a projection, blah, 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 blah. So we weren't sure we were going to offer him. So, so we said, hey, why don't you come over to – during this time of the year, why don't you come over to Georgia Tech? We'll sit down with you and your mom. We'll talk about Georgia Tech. The kid shows up with a with a pillowcase fill of, uh, filled with trophies. Oh, boy. So he says, you guys don't want to offer me a scholarship? And he dumps all his trophies <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> and he's got, like, you know, his trophies from, like, the sixth grade yeah. all the way through to his – you know, he's going into his senior year at Mays High School. <laughs> I was like, we got to offer this kid. Just, just on that alone, we got to offer this kid a scholarship. We did offer him, and he went on to be a great player at Georgia Tech. Oh, that's good. You know, that's good. That's that's drive. That's right creative. It's salesmanship. It is still not Derek Evans who has the all-time greatest signing day episode. If, if you don't remember the name Derek Evans, he was on the Dallas Carter team yeah, that yeah. was featured in Friday Night Lights. He was the safety alongside Jesse Armstead. So Armstead has one of those where he goes up and he's got all his gear on. He leaves the press conference, comes back in, and he's wearing all Miami gear. Yeah. Derek Evans is like, hold my beer. Derek Evans is in a hot tub with cycling gear, you know, like a cycling yeah. spandex gear. He's got like a Mr. T starter kit in a hot tub. He's like, yo, I'm signing with Tennessee. And he comes out of the water, <laughs> signs it, goes to Tennessee. Three months later, he's arrested, spends 10 years in jail for oh armed robbery and never even got to I Tennessee. I remember hearing all that. Yeah, yeah. but that's the best. That's, that's the best tub. signing is in the hot tub. In 1988, he set the bar. Nobody's ever passed Not a very crazy. happy ending, though. Coach, who's the best college football player you've coached against? Because you coached college football Ooh. for a long time. So I know you've seen a bunch of good ones. I mean, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you coached against uh, a lot well, of those Miami kids at, at the Gator Bowl, right? Yeah, in 2000. I, mean, I was well, at that game. I mean, we coached against, you know, Vince Wilfork was on that team. Yep. Uh, Dan Morgan, the linebacker, yep. was on that team. Nate Webster had a big game Nate that Webster, day. yeah. I mean, I coached against Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller was oh, yeah. a great player at Ohio State. Wow. I mean, he tore us up my first year at Penn State. Um I mean that's a hard question to say like one guy over another. Mm-hmm. I mean if I I mean if you go back to the great Florida State teams, uh the defensive ends that they had throughout the years there that we coached against Corey Simon on the inside. I mean we I mean it's hard to say like um that 99 you know, Florida State team you coached against. Yeah, they that were was one of the great games that year when you guys played them. Yeah, Joe, down uh, Tallahassee. Yeah, we played the year before in 98 we played them down there with Joe Hamilton and we we it, it was uh I think it was like 45 to 38, they beat us. We were running the wishbone. We were doing all Mm -hmm. kinds of things. But they had great players. It'd be hard for me to say like one guy over another. It is tough to narrow it down considering all the greats that Coach has coached against and coached throughout his coaching career. But fun stuff. I love that Adam Jones story. We just we laughed on and off the air when we were talking about that. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit more about the U.S. Open. Yeah, Coach loves his golf, and the U.S. Open just took place 
not this past weekend, but the weekend before. And also, who was Coach's favorite college player of all time? That's pretty easy if you think about where he grew up. Talk about that and then some with Coach Bill O'Brien right here in Texans All Access. It is an extra special Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for your Houston, Texas. And why is it extra special? Well, we had head coach Bill O'Brien in studio with us for this entire hour. Everything but the Texans. This is an annual tradition. We get a chance to talk sports. Coach said at one point that he wanted to be or would have wanted to be in media. Love sports. Said he and Doug Marone were going to do a radio show if this whole coaching thing didn't work out. But I would think the coaching thing has worked out for both of them. So they'll just have to meet on the field. They'll do their radio show or podcast somewhere down the road. So we love doing this show because we talk about literally everything but the Texans. Now you had a couple of things pop up throughout this hour uh, that dealt with some things in the NFL and a couple things that Coach learned from various coaches he's been around, including Bill Belichick. But one of the topics that, you know, tugs at my heartstrings is college football. And we had left the last segment talking about players that coach had coached or coached against who was the best he'd ever coached against. Started this segment with, well, who's his favorite all-time college football player? Who's your favorite, though? Not that you coach necessarily, but your all-time favorite college football player. Do you have one? Is it Flutie? Or I'm, I'm like, I'm like reeling it in here no i mean i love flutie so i I mean i was there not there but i i saw him uh you know that that miami pass my dad and i were watching that you know what was that was that the day after thanksgiving i think it was the day after thanksgiving so we're eating thanksgiving leftovers and my dad's the exact opposite of me like very low-key very not emotional that's one of the few times other than when fisk hit the home run in 75 oh yeah other than that, when my dad just let loose, like, that was unbelievable. So, and, and the year before, we had gone – no, that year, they, they still played Holy Cross. Right. In, in the last game of the season. And we went to the Holy Cross game at Fitton Field. Mm-hmm. And there was a helicopter came in to fly him to the Heisman ceremony. Right. That was cool. I was, you know, what was I, 12, 13 years old then yeah. or something like that. So, that was that was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe growing up, that was definitely my, my favorite uh, college – uh, football player, but now having coached college for a long time, I have my own guys that I coach that yeah. are my favorites, which I wouldn't want to, you know, get in. I mean, I had so many good guys at Penn State, really, to be honest with right. you, which was my first head coaching. It'd be hard to put anybody over some of those guys, you know. I always think that in this business, uh, the people that you were a fan of before you got into the business are the ones you get starstruck over. Do you find that oh, yeah. true as well? Because you have yeah, a different I mean, relationship with these guys. When the when the Super Bowl was here, my wife and I were out to dinner somewhere over here in Rice Village, and uh, and a, the the guy that ran the restaurant, or whatever, came over. He said, "Hey, coach, you know Doug Flutie's here." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Whoa, I got to meet Doug Flutie." <laughs> he was like two tables over. This was the first time I really ever met him. Wow, yeah. I think I had met him, like, briefly one time in New England, but he didn't play in New England when I was coaching there. Okay. He played, like, right before. So, uh, yeah, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. That's a guy that uh, you remember growing up. It was cool to meet him. What was, what's been your best, uh, 
like meeting a celebrity or somebody recognized you story kind of out of the blue like maybe somebody you you've known and they walked up to you like hey bill o'brien i'm such and such have you ever, have you had that kind of situation where somebody's introduced themselves to you or you met a celebrity and i'm i'm laughing because it it's happened you know quite a bit which yeah. is Almost, you've known me for thirty yeah. years, so you know how ridiculous that is. But, but <laughs> I, I met. Uh, so we were at uh, El Tiempo. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know, a few years ago, might have been the Super Bowl again during that when all the stars were here, you know. And so uh, Colleen and I are eating dinner, and there's Rudy from. Uh, oh yeah, from the movie Rudy. <laughs> Rudy Rudy. He's yeah, sitting Rudy. right there. Yeah. The real Rudy. The real Rudy. Yeah. Rudy Rudiger or whatever. His name. I mean, it was That's unbelievable. I met Rudy. <laughs> No, but I really the people that I've enjoyed meeting are like, uh, you know, meeting President Bush, you know, yeah. Bush forty, yeah, yeah. you know, th- those those types of people, and then you go back and you you research them and you think about their lives, especially a guy like President Bush, uh, talking about <clears throat> uh, forty forty one, mm-hmm. uh, who lives here in Houston. He he's he's an amazing guy, and so I, I never had the honor of meeting Barbara Bush, yeah. uh, but I met President Bush uh, with Mr. McNair when when uh, I first got hired here, and that was very, very cool. That was that was pretty, that was something I'll never forget. You mentioned research. We know you read a lot, all right? Yeah. So give us a book you've read lately you really like, and yeah. just tell us about it. I'm, as you guys know, I read multiple books at a time, which is idiotic, but that's kind of <laughs> what I do. Uh, so you have to read Bruce Springsteen's biography, auto, oh, really? auto, autobiography. He, he wrote it. I've himself. heard that this was good. It's incredible. Have you read it? No. Uh, you guys got to read it. I mean, his I'm life, sold. his life, and the risks that he took, and his family life, and I mean, it's all in there. And driving cross country to California from New Jersey doesn't work out. Drives back to New Jersey, you know, with bandmates and yeah. I mean the whole thing, and that, that's just a cool, cool book. And I, I'm also I, I started uh, uh, John McCain's uh, autobiography, Restless Wave. That that's I just started that one. That that looks awesome. And then I'm reading Nick Saban's Fourth and Goal that Phil Savage wrote. Yep. So yeah, those are the that three too. that are on the on oh, the desk. Savage wrote that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Well, it's Savage good. is the color analyst for Alabama football. Yeah. Eli Gold. So that's right. So he's around him. So yeah, that was one. That's my. You listen to podcasts at all? Because I got a good one for you. I got a good one for you. Know, you know, I don't. You'll understand why I tell you this in a second. Do I've heard about these. I don't listen. I mean, I do. I listen to uh, you know our our website stuff sometimes mm-hmm. yeah. just to Thank listen you. to what's going on. But but uh, but I don't really do it that often. Okay. Well, I'll get you started on one. It's called Crime Town. Crime Town. It's called Crime Town. It's like a twelve part series, and you'll understand why I tell you this. Crime Town. Putting it in my notes here. It's about Providence and Buddy Cianci. <laughs> See? Oh. He had the same reaction I did. I had two people in this building that have told me. I had a beer with him one time See? At, at Oliver's. I told that that's what I've said. You remember this, Oliver's? Yes, I do. He used to come to – it's the only – it was the only place we had on campus that you could go to imbibe, if you will. That was the only place. And for yeah, my first year, was. probably your first couple of years, it was closed. And then they opened it back up. And we would go there periodically. And I remember going in there one night, and Rick Britton was there, our buddy Rick. Yeah. And Rick was in there. was like, yo, buddy's over there. <laughs> and he was there all the time. And Buddy Cianci was the mayor of Providence. And this crime town tells the story, essentially, of Providence, of the Patriarca family, yep. and of Buddy Cianci. And so I've gotten through part one. It's like 25 minutes an episode. Okay. And it's 
fantastic. Like, I was sold. Both Drew and Eric told me, like, separately, you got it. You'll understand. You'll, and I was like, yeah, Cianci used to come to the mayor of Providence, two-time mayor yeah. of Providence, the longest running. He had one stint. He went to jail. And he went to jail. And right. then he came back and won again. He won a second. In After Providence. getting out of jail. What was that's that being well-liked. Yes, crime town. <laughs> a lot of forgiveness. That's, that's, a, that's one, I think, when you're getting your interval training on, that's a, probably a good one. They've got all kinds of stuff. The first episode, they had interviews. They pulled stuff off TV. They had Cianci speaking at different things. I think you would really enjoy podcasts because that's a way you can get a workout in, listen to yeah, a podcast. Listen to it. That's right. And, you know, instead of reading the book idea. and taking time. So. That'd be a good podcast. When, you, when you're not listening to Texans radio, then. yes, okay, of course, there's got to be a priority. I mean, there. I'll tell you what, though, you guys do a lot of different things, which is cool. You know, I mean, I, I obviously you two guys, but yeah, Drew know, and DP Drew and, and everything. DP. Yeah. Well, it's funny because in this business, I always say this: we go seven months, the ball is not even snapped, and we talk about the team for seven months. Yeah, with and it's no game action. I tell everybody that it's Amer- I and mean, I love the Astros. I love baseball, but. This is America's game, is mm-hmm. the NFL. Yeah, I mean, people want this info, twenty four seven, three sixty five. You know, that's the, that's what this league's about. Our preseason right games outrated the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. What does that tell you? That's good to know. I mean, with all due respect, <laughs> but it shows it, it proves your point. Uh, you were talking about dinner. Have dinner with Colleen. You get a free dinner for four anywhere you want. Anywhere you want, you can invite three living people. It's like having a foursome. Living people? Three living people. Mm. Three no, how people about living. living or dead? Okay, living or dead. All right. You get three. Let's expand the pool. All right. Expand. <laughs> it's a pretty big pool now. You get three people that you can bring with you to a dinner. You can have a quartet at dinner wherever you want. Who are you bringing? Who's your four? I would, I would love to bring, this will sound crazy to you in some ways, but just because of the, the type of people, the diversity of people. But I would love, first I would bring Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. I would bring both President Bushes, and I would bring Barack Obama. Wow, that's what I would bring, and I think that would be very cool to get all the different perspectives on the different eras and the different, right. you know, all the yep. different risks that all four of those people took, and they all come from different backgrounds, have obviously different beliefs, and but all four are very respected, you know. I think and. But that's what I would. Do. That's what I'd bring. That's excellent. I've never met uh, Bush forty one's son, mm-hmm. um, but forty three. Mm-hmm. And but I but I I would like to meet him. He's been here. I a time I, I or know. Two, I just feel like he'd be a cool guy to meet. He yep. just seems like a very funny, yep. funny guy. So yeah, those would be the four I would say. Excellent. All right, uh, let's get into some other sports here for okay. a moment. Uh, you've mentioned before that the U.S. Open is your favorite golf tournament to watch. Uh, you would like the majors, of course, but you don't get to watch the PGA seasons going right. on. And Masters, you got other stuff going on, draft, OTAs. But U.S. Open, you've said memories of your dad and you watching golf. Yeah. All right, so this past one, was it ridiculous to you or was that good, watching all the guys struggle and some guys having trouble breaking 80? Yeah, I – Again, I'm I'm going to be honest about this with you guys because I thought it was awesome. In mm-hmm. in the guys that just said, you know what, I'm going to figure this out, were right. the guys that did well. Brooks Kepka said, well, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to figure it out, and and I, and he won. Right. The guy. I mean, I just have never heard so many complaints yep. about a golf course. Like, and I don't look. I'm not a. I mean, I golf. I'm terrible, but I. And I get it, but I mean, like, look, like this is the national championship. This is what it is, and right. so 
you're not going to win 20 under. You're going to have to basically shoot even par to win. And and that's what Kepka did. And he and if you watch Kepka the whole time, like I love watching these guys because he really kept his cool. He never the, yeah. the last hole when he hit it off the grandstand, mm-hmm. I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. And he had a tough chip because it was like a downhill, you know, the the green was sloped downhill from where he was right. chipping. Man, he nailed that chip. There was that par three too, where he overshot, yeah. then he hits it in the bunker, but he gets bogey. It was a big bogey at the time. But yeah, you're right. His, but he his never demeanor. lost his composure, yep. and I just, mm-hmm. I just thought that that was awesome. And I, I, I love watching that tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, just because of what we're talking about, I always think that's probably the toughest golf course. And I mean, the rough that they had to hit. How about the one where they were? It was like Friday, and they were looking for. Um, I think it was Dustin Johnson's ball. And he's like, I know it's right here. I know it's right here. And there's like 20 people around that ball. I was texting my dad. I'm like, this looks like us <laughs> up on Cape Cod looking for our ball. But is, is that kind of like the golf equivalent of a snow game in football? You know, when you have these games where – and Joe Webb played in one of those last year. You know, your Joe yeah. Webb, where the conditions are so – like the game plan is completely fig- thrown out. You've got to figure it out on the go. You've got to figure it out. I mean, we've – we haven't had too many of those types of games here since mm-hmm. I've been here, but when I was in New England, we had the game in Buffalo where 60 to 70-mile-an-hour wins. We threw the ball maybe eight times, and they were little flat passes to the fullback off of play action. Mm-hmm. We ran the ball 65 times and beat the Bills like 13 to 10. Right. I mean, we had to change, you know, because of the weather. And that was one thing. That was probably one of the of the thousand things I, I learned from Bill that was one of them, you know, like you just have to be able to deal with the elements here. It's hard because it's always hot here. So you're not dealing with all the different snow and rain, mm-hmm. you know, weather wise outside, you know, you deal with rain, but, and, and plus the fact here, you're playing indoors half the season. Yeah. And then, you know, then you're playing up at Indy and you're playing other indoor games during right. the season. So you're really not playing outdoors that much until later in the season sometimes. But we, this year, you know, I think we go to the East Coast late, so we're going to have to deal with some elements. Yeah, four of them. Yeah. All, all together, right? Yeah. yeah, we're on Eastern time, I think, the entire road trip, except for Denver and whatever, Nashville, I think, at that point. See, like I said, a few NFL things, a few Texans things did sneak in there. In that segment, but not a whole lot. We get back. Would you rather win the U.S. Open or win the World Series? Individual versus team. We'll ask Coach O'Brien that next right here on Texans All Access. Man, it just dawned on me. It's Monday night, so that means NFL Network Top 100 Final 10 Players. The top 10 players in the league as voted on by the players of the league. That is tonight. No Texans in that group. Aaron Donald, Tom Brady, Le'Veon Bell, Von Miller, et al. The final 10. See how they're ranked. DeAndre Hopkins, the top Texan, came in at 13. He was the top-ranked AFC South player. On NFL Network, you can see how the top 10 players in the league and which ones the Texans will face this year. I know Von Miller's one of them. Tom Brady is one of them. Gosh, facing Tom Brady yet again. Uh, Should be a fun show. I love watching that show. So you see the final 10 tonight. Now, let's get back to our conversation with the head coach of the Houston Texans. One final segment. And I ask this a lot of times of people in sports. They're individual sports. They're team sports. And I use the U.S. Open and the World Series as my examples 
But essentially the question that I had was, would you, win, would you rather win an individual sport title or would you rather win a team sports title? Here's what Coach had to say. Yeah. So you're talking about the U.S. Open. So I've always wondered this because I've played on teams my entire life, but I've always said, you know, winning an individual award would be pretty cool. So you can win one, either the U.S. Open or you can win a World Series. Which one would you rather win? I'm a – so – I'm a team sport guy, so I'm going to say the World Series. Like, I went, and I know this wasn't the World Series, but I went to the Astros the other night when Bregman hit the, the yeah, walk-off yeah. double mm-hmm. off the wall. Yep. The way that those guys celebrated winning that game, like, sent chills, you know, down my spine. I just envisioned, you know, our team, mm-hmm. Fairburn kicking a winning field goal, Watson throwing a winning touchdown. Yep. yep. You know, I just envisioned our team doing something like that. I, I just – I just love that about the team sports. I think when you win a championship, I remember like the guys, so I've been to two Super Bowls, lost them both, nothing worse than that. Really nothing worse than that. But That's what I, Charlie Casserly said once because yeah, he was brutal. with the Redskins when they lost to the Raiders. Yeah. He said there's nothing worse. You'd yeah, rather they rope lose, it off. And they, you'd rather lose in the AFC championship yeah, than a championship I mean, it's game. not good. Gosh. But, so I don't know if I'd go that far. I mean, the experience <laughs> of being in the Super Bowl yeah, was yeah, great yeah. and right, all that, right. but – but anyways, the, the guys that were on our team that had won championships, those teams have a bond that will never be broken. Yep. You know, we have I have a bond with a lot of guys here, you know, just from coaching them and, and working hard with them and all the coaches and players, you know, that we'll stay in touch the rest of our lives. Like, yeah, I get that. But, I mean, I think a championship team, that bond is never broken. That, 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 that team is brought back for reunions every year or every yeah. five years. and. And you can only imagine what that would be like in Houston, yep. as you guys know. So um, I think the World Series, I would vote for that over over U.S. Open. All right, sports on television, after you've won multiple Super Bowls and decide to oh, God. hang them up, uh, you can be a television commentator in a studio setting or in the broadcast <laughs> booth doing games. What would you do? Because obviously two very different things. What, what do you think what you'd want to do? So I well, think what – You what, notice he didn't say play-by-play play man either. No, Just you're not going to keep that, that in mind. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think job. that one of the things that, you know, way down the road that I would love to do, and I used to talk to uh, Matt Millen about this at Penn State, was to, to do like – you know, to try to educate the fans on the game, you know. So maybe one of those deals where you're drawing – I remember watching like whether it was Gruden – or I remember uh, another guy, uh, Eric Mangini, did a good job of this, you know, explaining what happened on that play, you know, like Johnny and I do sometimes uh, during the season. You know, yeah. I think that's where if you could really, like, teach the fan, you know, kind of what's going on in the game. Right. I would love to do that. Being a studio analyst or being a color commentator, I think that's great, but I don't think I would be – I wouldn't be any good at that. So it's like you and Greg Cosell or something doing yeah. NFL matchup. Yeah, something like that, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're explaining, hey, look, this is what uh, this team's trying to do, and this is what – I remember I used, to, I used to get mad because I would see whether it was Houston or New England, they would put – like last year with Watson, you know, you'd see those those types of shows on one of those channels, and, and they'd be dissecting our – you know, a couple of our plays, I'm like, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. You know, you're yeah. like, Jesus, stop. Can we stop doing that? But I thought that, but I think that's good, though. I think that educates the fan on what they're looking at. So was it surprising having gone through some production meetings the last few years that Gruden went back to coaching? And I asked that because when you're away from coaching, some people I don't think understand this. They're like, why would a guy go back to coaching? Why would he go back to coaching? I'm like, look, when coaching, when you get the bug, you'll, it's never gone. 
Are you surprised at all that Gruden went back to the Raiders? No. Um, he, he Being in the booth when you've coached like he did at the highest level, won a Super Bowl, it's your game day is not the same, yeah. you know, and it's all in, in preparation and kind of getting in there and grinding it out with the players and then winning games. Like there's no, once you've done it, once you've had that, like you said, that's in your blood. It's hard to, it's hard to give it up. You know, he, he was away from it for whatever, 10 years and now he's back into it. You know, he, he, uh, he's a great guy. I really enjoy talking to him. Um, and I think he'll do a great job there. So, yeah, it was in his blood. I'm sure he missed the, the the competition, the game day, calling plays, all the things that watching tape, getting guys ready to play, but he missed it. All right, a few quick ones here. Texas barbecue or Tex-Mex? Because, you know, you've come into the area, you're Man. in your fifth year now, and you've tried both. Well, quite obviously, I, lo- I love both, quite obviously. I, it's a tough call. It is. The barbecue – I'm like down to a couple of places, okay. whereas whereas the Tex-Mex, I mean, I think there's several p- places mm-hmm. that are really good. Right. You know, you've got obviously good company. You've got, you know, El Tiempo. You, I'm not trying Kill-ins to get you. And... You got, yeah, you know, but the. Oh, you're talking the Tex-Mex. I'm talking okay. about Tex-Mex. Okay. You know, then you've got Cyclone and Naya. You, you know, you've All got right. some places mm-hmm. in the barbecue maybe. And I love barbecue. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying maybe one or two places. I'd probably go with Tex-Mex. Okay. Like I like do, the spicy stuff too. So. You do, which you I know do, you can get at barbecue too. But when you do barbecue, is it brisket? Is it ribs? I'll tell you a quick story. Yesterday we had a little league. So this little league deal, like every night they got an activity for these kids, right? Mm-hmm. So they had like a pool party at somebody's house. So those people, they they hired one of those taco makers, like those street vendors, mm-hmm. and they came over, and the guy was made tacos, and you had all the toppings. I mean, it was unbelievable. With the different spices, toppings, yeah. and and the guacamole. There and, are people listening around Houston going, "Yeah, and I mean, you know I know I mean? Yeah. it was I mean, unbelievable. Like, yeah. I never that, seen anything like it. I know so. that's the thing when you when you have somebody that's not not from here. I mean, you, you've been here for years, but to them, that's that's you know that's kind of that's I don't say run of the mill. That's Texas, like that's, that's what you do. But you know, for somebody that hasn't been here, I, it's, I didn't. I never saw that before. I mean, that's life. really cool. All right, let's let's talk about movies. Best sports movie that you've seen, or if you've got time to sit down and watch one sports movie, which one's it going to be? I'm watching Rocky 1. The original? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm watching Rocky 1. I'm watching Miracle. Miracle. I'm, Excellent. I'm watching, um, I mean, se- there's several others, but I'm watching. I mean, my wife, she if she was sitting here, she would tell you that Michael and I have probably watched Rocky a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you have you seen the new Creed? I heard it was coming out. I didn't. I, oh, see, I'm a, the original that. Creed is out, but Creed Two. Oh yeah, there's another one. There's coming a new out. one out. But did you Creed, see the original? Yes. Oh, so you've seen them all. Really. Yeah, yeah. Rocky okay. One and Rocky Two, though. Yeah. After that, it's a formula. After that, yeah. three and four are very formulaic. Creed, yeah. but Creed kind of got off the formula yeah, a little Creed, bit. No, Creed's good. Creed's but Creed Two is going to be fantastic. The 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 trailer, two minute trailer, is really it's, uh, uh, it's incredible. If you haven't seen the the, the Creed Two trailer. Go, it's fantastic because they bring back. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, don't okay. tell us. Yeah, it's really. good. You got to see it because but, it'll, it'll, yeah, it'll charge you up. Is that your favorite movie? Period. Do you have a, another favorite oh, movie no. or two? Yeah, no, I have favorite movies. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of go with what I've watched most recently. I wouldn't say that this is my favorite mo- favorite movie, but I watched this movie the other night, Molly's Game. 
Oh, that's that? really good. Yeah, it's really good. Now I'm not saying I, I watched the post a couple weeks ago. That was pretty good. Um, I don't. I, I wouldn't be able to pick one movie. You're a Godfather guy. I love Goodfellas? the Godfather. All right. Love Goodfellas. Yeah. Kind of like them all. I, 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 it's hard yeah. for me to rank one. Godfather's awesome. She, my wife, would also tell you I've probably seen that a thousand times too. Sure. Because well. you know, like on, uh, you know, like a Saturday during the off season, you're hanging out. It comes up, and you go through the, yeah. the the guide or whatever, and you see what's on. It's on every Saturday afternoon yeah. or yeah. Sunday afternoon. I mean, Miracle just got to Netflix. Oh, and, it did. Yeah, and so it was. I was like on Netflix looking for something. And I saw it. Yeah, I was like, I feel I feel contractually obligated to watch it when it's on. So I'm like, I just hit play. It started doing some things in the room I was in just so I could have it on. Have you met any of those guys? Because a lot of those guys were from Boston. Oh yeah, Ruzioni, Jim Craig. Guys. I got an autograph when I was a kid by, from Jim Craig. I can't say that I met him. I mean, yeah, I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I've met Mike Ruzioni. He's he's always around yeah. Boston. He came to a Patriots game. Um, my my brother, Tom, played uh, midget hockey in, in Situate, Mass, with Dave Silk. Oh, wow. I think Dave was a little bit older than my brother, mm-hmm. but they were in the similar on the same team. Wow, wow. So when Bill O'Brien They were was little, wa- though, little kids. When you're watching Miracle and they get to the scene where he's making them do the suicides over and over and he's saying, again, again, do you <laughs> cringe or are you saying, yeah, make them do it again? <laughs> I, I cringe a little bit on that only from what I know now. Right, okay. I think earlier in my coaching career I'd be like, yeah, they, you know, <laughs> they need to pay the price or whatever. <laughs> but now what I know about they had played the game and then he made them do that. Yes. Yes. And so I'm like, They didn't play well. What a, what a deal that was. The, and then know, the Craig Ramsey's looking at him like, dude, we got to stop. We can't. Somebody's going to you know, pass out. I think a great coaching scene from that is when they get the kid from Minnesota who joins yeah. them late, and he's really good, but yeah, they, the p- players are like, I don't know. Boston. And they said, now I got a team because they voted him off. They want to be together. Yeah. That's pretty good right that there. That was good. Yeah. yeah. He, did, he, was, he was awesome at, uh, you know, motivational tactics and mm-hmm. just different things that he did with that team. You know, he was great. And his speech before the Russian game is the greatest ever. It's the greatest ever. <laughs> all right. So, all right, one more for you. It's multiple choice. You have to make one of these happen, a, a must-make, and you get to choose one out of these four. A four-foot putt, not three, but four-foot putt, a free throw, catch a 50-yard punt, you know, like a nice high Leckler punt, not a, not a coffin corner, but a high, nice high 50-yard punt, or answer a random Boston sports trivia question. One of those four, you got to do it. What are you going to pick? <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I mean, I'd have to go with the last one. Answer a random Boston really? sports trivia question. <laughs> I mean, you know, I guess I could catch the punt. I'm missing the putt because I'm a terrible putter. Did you say putt? Yeah, four-foot putt is tough. I'm a bad putter. I mean, I'm just not a, a good pressure putter. Free can't throw. Line it up. Four-foot putt, that's nothing. No. For me, it isn't. Hey, ask Fairbear. Hey, I can't hit the ball anywhere, but I can make a four-foot putt Ask now. Fairbear <laughs> this question. He's not picking the putt. I'm serious. Like, oh, go- kickers, no. Free throw. I just played hoop last night at this Little League party I was at. And I couldn't make anything, so I'm not doing a free throw. <laughs> okay, Boston Sports <laughs> Trivia question is, Coach, thanks a lot for the time. We really appreciate it. That was it. great. Thanks, guys. Me? I know this is going to sound funny. I would catch a punt and shoot a free throw. Although, I'm one of the best trivia sports trivia people you'll ever know. I could answer a question about I- any sports trivia. But catch a punt? I used to do that in practice. Actually, with Bill O'Brien watching used to catch them easy. It, that comes from years of playing baseball. But shoot a free throw? I'll shoot free throws all day. I'll knock a free throw down 
I got I got no problems with that. I think the four foot putt would be easy, but then again, I don't know, maybe not. Depends. I thought it'd be easy, but that that's just me. Now I can't do anything else in a golf course, but I can putt. I can do that. That's not a problem. But any of those, I, I probably would have put the trivia question last, even though that's probably uh, my strength at this point, being all of about 86 years old. So, anyhow, big thanks to Bill O'Brien for hopping in here and spending an hour with us. That was fantastic stuff. He's been on Triple Threat lately. He had, I think he did an hour with Triple Threat on Friday with them. Talked a lot about the Texans, and we get a chance to do that with him throughout the year and all that kind of stuff. So, we catch up with him on all that stuff throughout the season so it was good to catch up with them with everything other than the texans on this show appreciate you guys listening big thanks to mark vandermeer of course to bill o'brien and to you guys for listening we'll see you tomorrow buddy and as always go texans